0: Good. Well, um, this morning, Allah was going to be uh, preaching and kicking off a series for us, Uh, but but actually, he's been very gracious because I phoned him yesterday and said um, that I really felt God speaking to me about something that I wanted to bring this morning. Uh, And I had been preparing actually a sermon that I'm doing for one of the churches in Dubai, one of our regions beyond churches out of Psalm 80. And as I was in Psalm 80, uh, I I felt really stirred. I just felt the Holy Spirit on me. I was actually upstairs here in the offices and there was no one else around, so I could um, shout and uh, cry and do all sorts of things wandering around the office upstairs as I really was praying for restoration in the church. And it so impacted me that I felt I really wanted to bring it This morning. So thank you, Allah, for being so gracious to uh, let me uh, step in this morning. Uh, And please bear with me. It's really, as I say, just what I felt God stirring my heart with and uh, as He really impacted me. So I still feel quite impacted by it, but I want to bring it to you as best I can. And I feel really challenged as we come to the psalm, you know, as we look at what God has for us. And uh, if you're a guest, again, uh, please bear with me uh, as, as we look at this for us as, as Grace City Church, but it applies to the church as a whole. God wants to restore His church. He wants to bring us into much more than we have been in. He wants to bring us into uh, much more than we have known in the past, even when we thought it was good and we thought things were great. Actually, He has so much more for His church. Uh, for us to step into. And I believe this morning he wants to hopefully uh, put a passion in us to come to him afresh. So let me read you Psalm 80, and then we'll go from there. Psalm 80. Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit in thrones between the cherubim, shine forth Before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God, make your face shine upon us, that we may be saved. O Lord, God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears, you have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us a source of contention to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, O God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us, that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches." It set out its boughs to the sea, it shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls, so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and the creatures of the field feed on it. Return to us, O God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted, the son you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down. It is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord, and I pray that right now you would soften our hearts, Lord, afresh. Lord, won't you come? Lord, won't you soften us, Lord, to receive your word this morning, Lord? Lord, I pray that we would not stand thinking that we have the right way, that we uh, can stand uh, before You and uh, know that this is it. But Lord, that we would come so softly, actually, Lord, knowing that as we do that, You raise us up and You lift us. I pray this morning also we would set our gaze so firmly on You, Lord. You are our joy, our delight. You are the only one, Lord Jesus, whom we want to worship, who we want to follow. Lord, You are the one that we want to give our lives for, Lord, nothing else, Lord. So won't you come this morning, Lord, as we've read these words, to restore, restore your church, Lord, restore in us a passion, Lord, for your church, restore in us a passion for your name, Lord, in this nation, Lord Jesus, we pray. Come restore us, revive us, Lord. We all need your revival, Lord. We all need you, Lord, to break through in our hearts, to take us further, so come on us, Lord. Come on us, I pray. Yes. Soften our hearts, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, the first thing I love in the psalm is where it starts. The first line, it says, Hear us, O shepherd of Israel. Hear us, O shepherd of Israel. And the kings of Israel were often called the shepherd of the nation, uh, we know that, that elders who lead the church are shepherds. Uh, we, are, we are shepherds. But ultimately, we know that there is only one true shepherd, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is our shepherd. He is the one that leads us. He is the ultimate shepherd, the one who guides us the one who shapes us, the one who takes us forward, the one who challenges us and who deals with um, all our edges that need to be shaped off. He is the one that is not only the shepherd though, but as it says here, who sits enthroned above the cherubim. So he is the one that is so glorified, the shepherd, but he sits uh, enthroned on high. And so at the very start, we see we kind of captured with uh, this picture of the shepherd who loves and cares and gives his life for the sheep. And we know that Jesus has given his life for every single one of us. He's given himself completely. And yet he is also this one that is enthroned on high, who sits uh, between the cherubim in this mighty throne. It's the most incredible picture. And so we know that as we come to Him, we come to the Shepherd and this mighty God. And His desire for us is to see us restored, to see the church restored. And when I'm talking about us being restored, I'm not necessarily talking about us being restored to big meetings or being restored to being kind of outwardly successful or seemingly important. But I long for us to be the church that is humble, merciful, kind, lowly, forgiving, loving people who know the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to see miracles, signs, and wonders that bring glory to God the Most High. That's what I'm talking about when I mean restoration for us to be this humble, lowly people, but who know the power of the Spirit. That transforms and brings incredible change in lives. That's the restoration we are after. So we come to this amazing shepherd. The psalm, I think, is such an amazing example to us because what we see in it is an impassioned plea for God's attention. An impassioned plea for God's attention. The psalmist is calling to God, saying, God, rouse yourself act on our behalf. Won't you, God, act on our behalf? Please, God, rouse yourself. And it seems, as it's in the Word, that it's an example for us to actually come to Him boldly in prayer rather than in caution. You know, so often we can sit back and say, well, well, God, if it's Your will, you know, then, then let things happen. And yes, obviously we know things are going to happen if it's God's will. But in the psalm, we see actually an impassioned plea arising up to say, God, please act on our behalf. Please come, Lord. We need you. Rouse yourself, Lord. Rouse yourself. Come upon us. We need you to act. We need you to break through. It's a wonderful example of that. And I hope that this morning we, we catch some of that passion that we see from the psalmist here who is crying out to God for his people. We need to be a church that is crying out to God, that is looking to him to break through, not passively sitting back saying, well, God, yeah, if it's your will, we'll, we'll cruise, we'll, we'll move along. No, we, we need a passion in us to say, God, come. Come and act on our behalf. So I want us to just look at a few things that we can understand from the psalm that I hope will will stir us. Uh, There are six points. Don't worry, they're not going to be long, but six things that I want us to notice out of the psalm that hopefully will help us to come with passion and to seek God for restoration. The first thing we see in verse 2, that he says, awaken your might, come and save us. And again, as I've already said, we come to this God who is all mighty. He is almighty, the almighty God. He is the one that uh, is above all, who created all, who's put everything in its place. We come to him who can do the impossible. What we think is impossible is nothing for God. That's where we always need to start. We need to come to God in worship at the beginning and the end. Maybe there's some soul searching in between, but we come to worship our God. Worship our God. This morning, we're going to worship our God because we want our gaze totally set on Him, the Almighty One, the One who can shift anything, who can change every circumstance. And so that's where we want to be. Secondly, we see here that the psalmist had an understanding of their needs to be saved. He had an understanding of, that they needed God's face to shine on them. And we see in verses 4 to 6, he grasps what a sad state they are in, even that their prayers make God angry. He says, our prayers make you angry. That's a We think, can prayers make God angry? Well, what kind of prayers maybe make God angry? Well, selfish ones, hypocritical ones, self-righteous ones. They make... God angry. It's not something that we often think of, but he's, he's taking a clear look at what does the nation look like? Where are we? And it made me think of Nehemiah, you know, when Nehemiah returns to Jerusalem, and he's come to rebuild the city, and he's going to rebuild the walls. And the first thing he does is he goes and does a survey. He goes around the walls. He looks at the broken gates. He He understands where it's broken down. And we need to have a realistic picture of where we're at. Even as a church, maybe ourselves, we need to look at ourselves realistically. Where am I, God, with you? Where am I? We need to do some soul searching. As a church, we need to understand where we are at. I want to encourage you with some things and challenge you with some things. As an eldership, you know that we've had challenges. I feel, though, that although things are certainly not perfect, but I feel like an, the eldership is in a healthy place. I feel like as the five of us, we've added Allah and Quentin uh, in with us, and we meet together every week, uh, trying to pray every second week. Every Thursday, we meeting And we found actually new life in those meetings. We have found a new togetherness. It's very encouraging. I feel like it's healthy. But there's still a way to go in terms of ongoing relationship. James and I, I feel, are working together in a way that we haven't before. It's very encouraging. So there are things to be encouraged by. I think a leadership team that is leading this congregation, Glenn and Sandy, Wes and Belinda, Miles and Kate, Lynn and I, I'm encouraged with how we are together. There's a real togetherness and relationship. Those things are encouraging as I look at where the church is. But I'm also really grieved at where the church is. We had prophetic words. There have been a few prophetic words that have been brought over recent weeks. And one of them was of a picture of a salt lake, uh, which you know looks very beautiful, white, uh, and kind of clean on top. But the picture was as you walk on a salt lake, it's a thin crust, and you go through, and underneath it's muddy uh, and dirty. And it's a, it was a horrible picture, really, that, that things can look okay on the surface, but underneath there is stuff that is not so good. And that is a challenge for us, church. It's a challenge, but we need to understand where we are at as the psalm does. We need to have a clear picture. I'm really saddened when I, I hear the amount of gossip there is in the church. And believe me, I don't bring these things pointing any fingers, but I bring them with a, with a heart that is grieving, really. I see so much gossip. We're so keen to talk about this person said that, and that person said that, and have you heard what they said? It's such a challenge for us. We can come with such judgmental attitudes sometimes, not thinking the best of each other, but we seem to have got into a pattern of thinking the worst. It's such a challenging thing, church. We need to come to God and come to each other in the way the Bible teaches us to, thinking the best, coming with love and compassion coming full of forgiveness and kind-heartedness. Not trying to offend people, not taking on offense, not acting in ungodly ways, not being unforgiving, but coming full of kindness. These are areas that we, we need to see are there in the church. And it's why we need to cry out to God for restoration, the psalmist does it here. He, he sees the mess Israel's in and he says, God, restore us. God's come and change us. We need to cry out to God. God, come and change us. You might be thinking that's, that's not me, but I've seen that in that person. Let's not worry about the other person. Let's look at ourselves. Say, God, come. Renew me. Revive me. Shift me, Lord. Shift me, Lord. So he needs a clear perspective of where we're at, an understanding of where we're at. Thirdly, we see that they had, the psalmist has an understanding of the wonder of what God has already done. Verses 8 to 11, the writer marvels at what God has done with Israel. He says, you had this little vine, you cleared ground for it, you planted it so that it grew up, that even the mountains and the mighty cedars were covered. That's how God grew it. He's, he understands that God has done much. And we can look at our church and know that God has done much. Actually, over the years, we've seen much fruit from this church. It's wonderful to see Chatswood up and running, an evening service up and running, food care up and running, ESL up and running. Play groups. There's so much fruit that this church bears. It's wonderful for us to understand. And despite difficulties over the years, God has brought us through again and again and again. And He continues to paint amazing prophetic pictures for us of churches being added in. One word in Adelaide this week was about orphan churches coming and joining in with us, that God was going to add them to the flow of the Spirit that was actually going to come from this church. That's really exciting. Praise God. He's got such a wonderful picture for us and for the church as a whole around the world as He brings us to be His bride. So we know that He has done so much in us. Let's continue to praise Him and thank Him again and again that He has brought us through difficulty after difficulty when actually you'd think, well, maybe everyone would give up and go home. But no, we're still here. God is with us. He's bringing us through, so we understand the challenges, but we also understand the wonder of what God has already done. Fourthly, we understand that we might, as the psalmist does here, ask God why, but actually He is asking us why. So the psalmist in verse 12 and 13 is saying, why? Why did you do this? Isaiah 5.4, which is actually a picture of a vineyard, and God says this, What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? You see, when we say to God, why? Actually, He says back to us, why? Because He's given us everything we need. In salvation, we find new life in Christ as we come to Him. We find ourselves forgiven We find forgiveness poured out on us, kindness and grace and mercy. He's given it all to us so that it can flow into others' lives. He's poured out His Holy Spirit on us. He's empowered us with everything we need for life and godliness. He's given us the very antidote for gossip. He's given us the very antidote for judging people because He has not judged us. He's poured out His grace upon us. He's given us everything we need. And so, when we ask why, He says, well, why? I've given you. I've given you all that you need. What we need are soft hearts, humble hearts that come and receive afresh what He has already given. Fifthly, we need to understand God's faithfulness and compassion. We see verses 15 to 18. He reminds God, of his faithfulness. He reminds God that, God, you are not someone who begins a great work and then loses interest and goes and does something else. We do that. I know I have. We think, oh, well, I'm going to do this project and suddenly it's not as interesting anymore and we focus on something else. God doesn't do that. It says in Philippians that he is the one that will complete the work he has begun in us. He is a God that completes the work. He doesn't leave us unfinished. Each one of us and us as a church, he will complete the work. He is at work in us. He's going to bring us through to completion. We can trust that. We can remind him of it. God, you're a faithful God. God, you're a compassionate God. We come and remind him of it. Not that he needs reminding, but because he wants us to come and cry to him like the psalmist does, saying, God, have mercy on us. Come and revive us. Lastly, we need to understand that we must come with faith and a big picture of God. We know that only God can do it. The psalmist cries, revive us, restore us, save us, but he's very clear that only God can do it. There three. There's a phrase that is repeated three times in the psalm. In verse 3, it says, restore us, O God, make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Verse 7, restore us, O God Almighty, make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Verse 19, restore us, O God Almighty, make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. It's a wonderful progression. Actually, I don't know if you notice, there's a word added each time. He starts, O God, then he says, O God Almighty, then he says, O Lord God Almighty. And it's as he goes through the process of the psalm Something shifts. His picture of God shifts. And suddenly, there's more. There's God oh, there's God Almighty. Oh, He's Lord God Almighty. Suddenly, the picture gets bigger and bigger because this is the God who can restore us. And there's faith that stirs. There's faith, faith that builds up. And He's, he's left in that final verse. Restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us. It's a big picture of God is where He leaves us. And that's where we need to be, church. Coming again and again. Letting God lift our gaze. Giving us a big picture. So we reel about where we are. We understand what God has done. We call on His faithfulness. We remind Him of His compassion. And we allow Him to build faith. And allow Him to enlarge us for all That he has. So it's a challenge for us today. Are we going to be a church that drifts along, kind of lets the world wash over us, move us to and fro? Or are we going to come to God with a passion and even, dare I say, a desperation? The desperation we see in the psalm saying, Restore us, Lord, restore us, Lord.